I was so excited to bring to you this first interview of many to come. And, uh, and I really felt compelled to just unbox it a bit, unpack it, just give some of my general thoughts on the interview, you know, why I chose to bring this person on, in this case, Blake. But in the, in the future, it's going to be a wide array, wide uh, a range of different people from different backgrounds. And I want to give some of my general thoughts, just some of the after actions, if I can call it that. So if you're joining right now, know that I'm going to be referencing the previous episode, an interview that I did. And so I'm going to do this in a way that you don't have to go back and listen to it. However, if you feel compelled, I would definitely go check it out. Now, I've already I've got several interviews lined up with several veterans and non-veterans alike. And I really I actually enjoy bringing on non-veterans simply because it, it can help us to see the similarities that we all have. You know, what connects us? Blake pointed out, we're going to be looking at similarities, not the differences, which is such a powerful statement. I, I really think we could spend an entire episode, several episodes on that one piece, that one piece right there, you know, looking at the similarities, not the differences. Now, where in your life are you looking for areas that you're different from people versus where you look in for areas that you're similar? Just that one piece. I, I was having a conversation just this morning with another veteran who mentioned to me that he got out and he really struggled because he felt like his family, friends, everybody that he came back to just didn't, didn't understand. And they were so different than him. And, and this isn't to say they're not, that they're definitely, they're not going to understand. They're, they're not going to understand what you did, where you came from. And frankly, to put that expectation on them is something we shouldn't do. However, just this one thought, focusing on how they're different, focus on how they're different is just going to drive more separation. What you focus on in life is what you find. And if you're constantly focused on areas that you're different, you're going to find a lot of it. It's not, it's not going to be difficult to find for, for anybody, veterans, anybody in general. You can find several ways and, and in areas where you're different from other people. The true challenge is going to be to focus on the similarities. And then you'll have the connection point. And that is the point. You know, connection is going to unlock so many doors for you. For veterans, uh, people in general, we need more connection. Connection with different people. People that aren't like you, that don't look like you, that don't talk like you, that don't do the same. We need to find more connection with these people. Not, not driving us apart. You know, currently we spend so much time pitting each other against one another that we, we lose touch with what makes us human. You know, connection is what makes us human. It's this one need that we all have is connection with others. And so you may not like the thought of this and you may not want to go there. However, currently in your life, if you struggle with any sort of depression, uh, booze, PTSD, just unhappy with any area in your life, this may be one big key that unlocks a huge door for you. And so I wouldn't be so quick to shut the door on this, this concept and this idea, at least before you see what's inside. That connection is the answer to many things in our lives. It's, it's one thing that we all share as humans. And while it may not be the only answer, it's definitely not a silver bullet. It's definitely not going to hurt anything. And, and I truly believe that it can, it can really help us out to find areas where we're similar to everybody else, not to be focused on all the ways that we're different. And, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to point out with Blake, even though he mentioned that he wasn't a veteran uh, and, and that he had fought some battles. And I, and I really love that comment that he made, you know, while he wasn't a veteran, he's fought some battles and 
you know, what another, just a great, a powerful statement. Because if, if you get to know Blake, he really is a, an amazing person. He's got an, an, an incredible background and just several things in his life are, are so similar to things that, that we as veterans had to, to go through and deal with. And there's definitely some huge connection points. And, and I, could, I could talk about this for just such a, such a long time. Cause even just want to go one step further into this, because as we were talking about, as we we're going into it, you know, think about him, one person that I don't think he should have to point out the differences, you know, that he's not a veteran that he shouldn't have to, yet he feels compelled to, you know, he, he's kind of stepping on, uh, not stepping on eggshells because that's not, that's not Blake's style, but he, he's cautiously jumping into the conversation, which is unfortunate because we need more people like him to step in, to have that conversation. However, that's a result of us. That's our problem. You know, we as veterans create this scenario where some people might not feel inclined to step in and, and share a similarity, to share a connection point because they don't want to step on our toes. And, and that's why I encourage you really reach out, find that connection point, because not only is it good for you, but it's also good for other people to see how they can interact with veterans too. So uh, whether you're on the fence with it, whether you're feeling great, the more conversations you have with, with regular civilians and everyday people, it's going to help them have conversations with veterans in their life too. And so, um, whether it may not be a, it might, might not be a huge mountain gold mine for you. It could be huge that you're helping that one person connect with another veteran that's in their life. And so with, with this, everything that we talked about, Blake mentioned alcohol and, and our relationship with alcohol. And that was the challenge was for you to take some time and point out your current relationship with alcohol. And I really think it would be poor form on my part to not unpack my own relationship with alcohol and kind of where I stand with it, uh, what my relationship is with it. And so just so that you know, my, I grew up around alcoholics. Um, my mom, my, my real father drank heavily, a, a ton. It was a really common thing. The Most of the adults in my childhood drank a lot. And so I was always weary of it. I was always really reluctant to not have too much. It was always, always front of mind for me. I was very hyper conscious of it. And I want to be clear. Uh, I'm not saying that I've never had too much. In fact, there's several times where I have 100% had too much to drink. And in fact, probably some several military buddies of mine that are laughing about stories right now in their mind of where I did have too much to drink. At one point, I was conscious of it. I was conscious of when I was drinking, how much I drank, and, and how it showed up in my life. And so currently, right now, I enjoy drinking you know, a few nights a week. And when I say drinking, I might have you know, one, two, two drinks. Uh, and, and on a general, as a general rule, I, I don't typically drink on work nights. Not all the time, but I choose not to most nights just because I don't like the way that I feel. You know, I, I don't like the way that I feel waking up in the morning, trying to be motivated to go to work. It doesn't help me out. Uh, also, I love to work out in the morning. I love to go run. I love to hit the gym. And I know that if I have a couple of drinks, it usually impacts my workout in a pretty negative way, um, which is it's really fascinating to me because I know several, but just the other last week, I was <laughs> I saw a buddy who was struggling to speak. He was so drunk. And I woke up 5 a.m., went to the gym, and I, I swear, 5.15, he strolled into the gym and started working out. And I, I couldn't could not believe it. I would not have bet money that he was going to be at the gym. Yet for him, he was there. Uh, for me, though, I know that if I'm in that space, I'm hitting the snooze button, 
and I'm definitely not going to hit the gym. And so I choose not to work out, especially, I'm sorry, I choose not to drink when I know that I want to work out in the morning, just because I know it's going to, it's going to really inhibit my ability to do it. And it's going to make it far, it's going to make it far more likely that I don't go to the gym. And so that's kind of how I approach it. And then, you know, one big rule that I have that's always stuck with me for a really, just a really long time. And I don't know where I got this from, but I will only drink if I'm happy. If I'm in a good headspace, if I'm feeling really good, happy, confident, I'll allow myself to drink. But if I'm upset, if I'm struggling with anything in my life, I am not going to have a drink. I don't like the way my mind wanders. If I'm in a, if I'm in a negative space, it usually compounds it into a, a much worse space. It definitely doesn't help anything. Now, if I go out and have a drink and I'm not happy, it's it's not getting better for me. So I just, as a general rule, I only drink if I, if I'm happy. And if I'm in a good headspace, I'm sad, pissed off, upset. Just if I'm contemplating some deep stuff, uh, usually means drinking is is just a no go for me until I get into a good space. And that's that's my relationship with alcohol. That's how I choose to interact with it. And it's it's not a hard fast rule. Uh, the other the other day, I, I was at a I travel for a living, and I happened to end up at a brewery pizza joint, and it really reminds a nostalgic fuel for me because our old platoon used to go to this, this place called Pizza Port uh, back in Carlsbad, California, just north of San Diego. And, and our whole platoon would show up and we go get pizza and beer. And and I, I showed up there and I was like, feeling nostalgic. I saw a beer that I wanted to try. I ordered this beer. They they brought it out to me. I took a sip and it was just, it really wasn't a good beer. I just didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't find it good. And so I didn't drink it. I literally had one sip of it. I pushed it away. I didn't get a new one. I just having the bad sip of a beer, it just kind of ruined it for me. I was like, ah, I'm not really in the space. And I left a full beer, full pint of beer right there. I ate my pizza and I left. And that's, that's just how I treat it. That's how I treat alcohol. And, you know, as you contemplate, as you reflect on your position with alcohol, I'd love the concept that Blake brought up. And that's really what got us talking about it. That's what sparked this whole conversation about alcohol uh, was that alcohol prevents your body from creating oxytocin. And, and that's what it does. Consuming alcohol actually suppresses oxytocin. And then oxytocin, if you remember from uh, several previous episodes, was that feel-good chemical in your body that makes you happy when you connect with others. And in this case of people, potentially, potentially, if this is you, isolating from others, this to me would be a big link in my mind, a, a big reason why it could be tempting to push away from others and have a drink which then further suppresses oxytocin, promotes the desire for more drinks, and we attempt to mask the need for oxytocin by just having one more drink, pushing further away, one more drink. And this is what Blake mentioned. You know, some people drink because they don't feel connected. Then they don't connect when they drink. And this is a, it's a vicious cycle. It takes place for some people. And that's the, the big key point right here. I want to make sure to, to, to point this out. This is some people. That's a key statement. Some people, lots of people go out and drink socially. They're fine. No big deal. For some people, though, it can be a struggle. And that's why I felt really compelled to have this, this difficult conversation, this difficult talking point, simply because it's, it's one that's worthy of having because it does impact people on a, on a really personal note, some people on a professional note. And so that's going to be my challenge for you is take a minute and reflect on your relationship with alcohol, give an honest assessment. What's its impact on your life? Because you know, Blake even mentioned alcohol isn't bad. It's how you treat it in your life 
that can be potentially bad. It's your relationship to it, how you're treating it, that can be potentially bad. And nobody, nobody, not me, not Blake, nobody can tell you where you stand with it. Only you can do that. And that's why I want to take a minute to challenge you. Because when was the last time you checked in on your own relationship with alcohol? If it's been a while, it might be a good time to reflect on it. And if you do, and you notice some trends of isolation around it, some separation points where you tend to check out from other people in your life, or just some negative things that happen when you're drinking, this may be an area that you want to explore further. It might be an, an opportunity for you to you know, readjust, recheck in with that relationship that you have with alcohol. And maybe you're like me. I, I feel like I'm in a good place with it. So I'm going to carry on and, and I'm going to continue to monitor it. And that's going to be one of my key things is, you know, Blake mentioned that the slow, steady progression of it, that it, it slowly builds. It didn't just happen all at once. And that's why I'm committed to monitoring it. And, and I'm totally cool with that. I feel good. And, and I feel good in a, with the space, the stance that I have on it. And so that's the challenge, though. Consider your relationship. Check in on it. What's your relationship with alcohol? And is there good stuff coming from it? Is it a neutral position? Or is there some negative things associated with it? One million veterans. Empowering one million veterans is my mission. My name is Thad David. And if you like this mission or this podcast, there's a few things you could do to help me out. And number one is just leave a five-star review and let the world know that you enjoyed this show. Number two, follow or subscribe the show wherever you're watching. And number three, share it with as many people as you think would find value in it. Now, if you have direct feedback for me, or if there's anything that I can do to personally help you out, please reach out to me directly at victoriousveteranproject at gmail.com. I truly look forward to hearing from you. Conquer today.